You are listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 135. In this episode, I'm speaking to Joanna Galvao about how to create a standout brand and website. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. Today's guest is Joanna Galvao, who is the co-founder of Gift Design Studios, a digital agency based in Portugal with 10 employees. Seized on branding and website design work for industry leaders in 17 countries, including working on a project for me back in 2014. Joanna and I recently met in London and started to talk about the problem of going too quickly into website design when the brand is not clear. Listen to Joanna as she explains the steps you need to go through before you design your website. You'll find links to Joanna at sigrun.com forward slash 135. And there you'll also find the show notes of this episode. I'm so excited to be here with Joanna Galvao, who uh, I have known actually for quite some time. I think we met in 2014 and we worked a little bit together and I have seen her business grow amazingly doing websites for almost everyone I know. <laughs> and I'm so excited to have you on the show, Joanna, and talk about that process of what an online entrepreneur needs to go through before they even consider creating their website. So first, to your business growth, congratulations. <laughs> thank you, Sigrun. And thank you for having me on the show. And tell us a little bit how it all began. Sure. So it started out of necessity more than anything. I wanted to get out of debt. And I thought that by doing some freelance on the weekends, I was at the time working in London for design agency as a web designer, that I could get some money to cover my debt. I found out about B-School, which I think was how we met, was through the group. Yes. And in the comments of her videos, I wrote, wouldn't it be great if I magically started getting freelance clients so I can enroll in this school, in this online training, so I can start my own business. And next thing I know, people were hiring me. I made enough to enroll in the program. And I was making more on weekends than I was in my day job. So. Two months in, I quit. I started hiring people, moved to Portugal, and the rest is history. Wow, I love it. I'm glad I asked. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, you did this on the weekend. It's not something that just came magically to you. And still, through asking the right questions and just putting yourself out there, it evolved in something amazing. And now, now how big is your team today? There is eight of us, and we're in the process of hiring two more. Wow. That's a fantastic growth. And that's all since 2014. Yes, exactly. Yes, fantastic. Okay, so let's dive into our key topic. I just shared with you before we started to record that 
I see a lot of entrepreneurs wanting to do a website and they jump in it often too early before they even know what their business is all about or when they even have a brand. So I guess that's not your ideal client. I guess you're more working with more advanced entrepreneurs, but what is the advice you would give to someone who is possibly jumping in too early? Sure. Well, the first thing is that it doesn't have to be perfect if this is the first version of your website. And then the other thing to know is the difference between the types of people you are hiring. Because a lot of times I see this happening where someone wants a website, so they contact a web developer. Mm-hmm. Now, the way I see it, a web developer is the engineer. If you were building your own house, there's the architect and then there's the engineer. The architect is who makes the house pretty, so that would be the web designer. And then the engineer is who builds it. That would be the web developer. So I think yeah. a good step there is to know the difference. You will probably need both. It's very rare to find someone who's good at the two of them. Mm -hmm. But even before that, you need to get clear on your brand identity. What are the colors that your brand should have? I know with you, it's easy. Everyone knows it's Team Red. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so you need to get first get clear on the brand identity as well. So the colors, the fonts, the logo, and then you can start the process. Yeah. And you have a framework around this process, right? What you take your clients through. So your clients, as I mentioned before, are probably a little bit more advanced. They know what they stand for, what's their unique uh, selling proposition. And then they come to you and they say, I want a website. Do they say that? And then you take them through the branding process first, or do they come to you because they want to rebrand? A bit of both, a bit yeah. of both. But even if someone does just want a website, I will take them through the branding process. Yeah. More often than not, their brand is not on point. And the way I break down the branding model is it's divided into three. And it's the three V's of branding. So it's your vision. What do you do? Who do you want to serve? What should your actions be? Your voice. So that's what you sound like. That will be your copy what you will write that goes into your website. And the final third, which is what we help our clients with, is your visuals. So what do you look Mm. like? Yeah. And I think it's very important that the three work in unison and the three communicate the same thing. And visuals are particularly important because it's getting shorter and shorter. It used to be eight seconds to make an impression on someone. Now I think it's almost down to five or four. So, you know, let's say you want to be a funny and approachable brand. You need to make sure that the visuals can communicate that in the first four seconds that a viewer lands on your website. Right? That's not a lot of time. No. (laughs) We're very quick at absorbing visuals. Yeah. Faster than words or anything else. Yeah. Exactly. So, So it is possible. But it is very important that they match what you sound like because I have seen a lot of copy that says, you know, we're really fun and innovative. And then the design is really bland and boring. And, you know, you already lost the person. If a person comes to you looking for a fun brand and they see a boring website, they're not even going to read it. Mm. And so there you've lost a potential customer. Yeah. 
Exactly. So let's say I know all of this and I come to you. What are the process, you know, or the framework you take people through? Sure. So the first thing is we do a deep dive into your brand. You know, who are your ideal clients? Where are they shopping? What are they visually attracted to? Who's your competition? And how can you stand out from the crowd? So if anyone, everyone in your competition is using blue, maybe we'll, we'll go with red for you. <laughs> um, and so it's an in-depth questionnaire. And then internally, my team and I will do a lot of research. We'll put together a lot of visuals. We'll like plaster it over our whole wall. And we'll look at patterns. You know, are your customers attracted to a specific color? And is your competition using that color or are they not? And therefore, should you use it? Mm. Are they attracted to brands with, you know, fun fonts? Or are they more attracted to high-end luxury and therefore we should be considering sans-serif fonts, which is like the Vogue title? So that is the first step, just to get like a big picture of everything. Then we come up with three visual concepts and in the form of mood boards. Now you can do this yourself. If you're on Pinterest, you just you just start collecting images of things you think your clients will and keep in mind your clients will be attracted to, not necessarily you. Ah, not you. Okay, not that's a good one. You. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you might you might shop at you know Zara, but you want expensive clients that shop at Louis Vuitton because you want to charge higher prices. So that's very important mm. that you target what your customers like, not what you like. And so we start putting concepts together. We think of the big idea that will tie everything together, the colors we choose, if we use patterns for a client or custom illustrations for another one. And we start to paint three different pictures of what the client's brand can look like. And if you're doing this yourself on Pinterest, you can start to look at how you can group some images from your board together to form three different ideas or just the one that you you know is most in line with your objectives. So each of these mood boards tells a little bit of a different story. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And does it help to write that down too for yourself? Or do you write that, you know, do you communicate that with your client then, you know, at least let's say over audio or something or in a meeting with them, what you're trying to tell with each mood board? Yeah, so we, we write a text about, you know, why we chose red, because red is the color of confidence, and you know you want to be seen as the leader expert in your industry, so that's why you should use this one. And we, we have a description for every design choice we make and why they work together well. Mm. And then I'll also do a video and I'll say, based on what I intuitively know from our first meeting together, this is the one I think is most appropriate for you. But since you did say you also want to be playful, you can go with the second one. Or if you want to attract more millennials, let's say you can go with the third one. And they can make their decision based on not only the visuals, but what I communicate that the visuals will cater to. Yeah. Because sometimes you will not find the right mood board, the concept, the colors that will you know, attract everyone and mm. all your goals. So there will be compromises. But if your brand is solid, you will still attract even those who don't identify with your colors or your fonts. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so that is phase one. 
That's phase one. Okay. And what's the next step? The next step is the logo design. So actually before, I remember sharing this with you earlier, before we touch on the logo design, in the first phase, if you're you're doing it yourself, I want to share like a quick story about the psychology of color. Yeah. So you understand the importance and you might want to do some brainstorming on what are your values, what is the most important emotion that your customer needs to feel, and what are the colors that you should use. So if they really need to trust you, if you're a lawyer, if you're in insurance, or if you're in something that, you know, it's really important that they trust you fully, then you want to use the color blue, for example. Mm. And I'll give you an example of an experiment that was run by Procter & Gamble in the 1950s. They were trying to figure out if by adding little colored pellets to their washing powder, if it would make an impact on females' buying decision. And so they got red, yellow, and blue, and they they got a bunch of housewives together and they had them test it out. Not knowing that the colored pellets did absolutely nothing. They were there just, just to add some color. The washing powder was exactly the same. Now, the first surprising fact was that they all found a difference, but what was really interesting was that they all found the same differences. So when the women tried out the red, they said it was really strong detergent. It washed the stains out really, really well, but they didn't even finish the box because they thought it was so effective that it might destroy their clothes. Ooh, interesting. Then they tried the yellow. And even though yellow is the color of happiness, you have to be careful that color because too much of it doesn't convert very well. It's actually proven to make people a little bit nauseous if the whole room is painted yellow. And so what they found with the yellow colored pellets was that none of the women liked it. They said it didn't work at all. The blue, however, um, they said it was by far the best and it smelt the nicest. Now imagine, they could sense smell from the color. Hmm. I like sharing this story, because, and there are a million stories just like this, just to show that by having the right color on your website, you can trigger an emotion, maybe even a smell. Yeah. And it's all about the experience that you create for your viewers. It's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's dive into step two. Yes. So after that, and this is something that you probably will want some help on, is when we design the logo and we choose the font combinations. Mm. And, you know, that's that's just a creative process. There is no, like, recipe to follow because it is different for every case. Mm. But at the beginning, I know, like, when you think of logo designs and, and you Google the best logo designs, you get a lot of, like, the Nike tick or the Twitter bird. Mm -hmm. But one thing I'll say is that those brands have been around for a long time. And if not for a long time, enough people know about it that they can simplify it and simplify it and down to the simplest iteration of that logo. Now, if you're starting out, you might want to have your logo communicate or hint at something about your brand. Mm. And so you don't necessarily want to go super simple. 
Yeah. If it's a personal brand that is completely different, you're okay with just having your name in a really great font. But yeah. if you're like a pet store or you know a health food store, you'll want something in that logo to give the viewer a clue. Mm. Especially if you're advertising on Facebook and you're competing with all this noise, you want to make sure that when they see that, they see from the little icon that you design or that your freelancer designs that they can identify at least the industry. Yeah. Yeah. And then with the fonts, you want to make sure you choose at least two mm -hmm. to have a difference between the titles and the body copy on any material that you do, whether that's your website or business card or leaflets. And I think an important thing to note on fonts is don't get too caught up with the trends happening right now. Because mm. I remember when we started in 2014, a lot of people were asking for Bombshell Pro, which is that font, now there are millions like it, but it's that font that looked like it was done with a calligraphy pen, where the line yeah. goes thin and then thick and it looks handwritten. That's beautiful font, but it's not necessarily right for every brand. No. So I think if you're starting out, a good pair to do is a simple serifed font like Vogue if you want to be a high-end brand or mm -hmm. if you're in the fashion industry or if you want to give it some prestige paired with a sans serif font. And if you want to be more modern, just go with a, with a thicker sans serifed font for the title and a thinner one for the body copy, and you're good. No yeah. need for all the cursive, handwritten, really detailed fonts. If you're not like a quirky brand, an adventure brand, or, or if you are leaning towards one of those, you have to choose it very carefully. It's been a trend for a time now, and people start to think that they need it, but they don't. Yeah. So I think it's a good thing to say, don't chase some trends, because then you have to rethink your fonts every year. And then there's all sorts of issues, like the font is not compatible on your website, that happens too, or you want to pair watercolor font with a one that looks like it was drawn in calligraphy, that doesn't work. Yeah. So yeah, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Great. So what's the next step? Well, in our branding package, sometimes we close it there and we end with a brand style guide. And that's very important if you are hiring. When you're interviewing potential designers, design agencies, ask for what the final deliverable is and mm. see an example. Because mm -hmm. what we give them now is a very detailed and comprehensive brand style guide, which is important for brand consistency's sake. Mm. So that in the future, if our clients hire someone else full-time to do their social media or to update their website, they know exactly the right color values, which font to use for heading one, heading two, the body copy, the size it should be, what color is the color of the call to action, so that is the buttons on the website, and what's the complementary color to that. You know, it's like a whole manual on how to mm. use what we've created for you. Yeah, it's so important. I noticed just looking at my own Canva list, like how things have changed. And if suddenly somebody starts to create a graphic for me and I'm like, no, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> 
So it's important to have this because, uh, you know, people cannot read your mind. So it's good to have the guide. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, you can always refresh it every couple of years. But in the sea of so much noise online, you want to be recognizable. And I think you've done an excellent job at that. (laughs) I think now Pretty pretty, pretty much on my own. (laughs) Well, now whenever I see something red, I'm like, ah, I think Sigrun would like this. Yes, that was my goal, uh, kind of. I'm not sure I knew that from the start, but that's good. That's good. Yeah, but that's, so, that's another important thing. It comes with time. Your brand It comes with time. time. Yeah, and consistency, I would say. It's not kind of flip-flopping between colors and fonts all the time, but staying on course for several years. Like you said, with the Nike logo and the Twitter bird, they just have been doing it long enough or consistently enough that we recognize it in almost any shape and form, let's say. Yeah, yeah. So what if people want to take it to the next level with you? Well, we can do almost anything, but... Yeah, um, but ultimately we were talking about websites, right? Well, a common next thing that we do as well is we help them create a photo guide to give to their photographer. Yeah. So especially if it's a personal brand, just as important as colors are is your body language the postures in your photos. Are you looking at the camera? Are you not? Should you be smiling? Should you have your arms open or crossed? All of these little things communicate visually to someone something. Mm -hmm. Um, Should you be looking down at the camera to show that you have authority or up to show that you're nurturing, you're open and... Yeah. So we create a photography guide where we give them a list of poses that they should do uh, the backgrounds that they should have mm-hmm. and the backgrounds that they shouldn't have. Because, you know, I would hope that your photographer wouldn't shoot you against a bright green background because then yeah. your brand would look like Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> um, and things like that. That It's not the first thing everyone thinks about, mm-hmm. you know. And if your call to action, like let's say we had someone whose call to action was orange but the main color was blue well then we said if you are going to wear anything orange let it just be a pocket square because you don't want to use an orange t-shirt and compete for attention for your call to action button right next to you for an opt-in yeah so it's little things like that that we help our clients through what to wear how to how to pose for their photos in the backgrounds yeah and then i think that's when we jump into the website Yes. And anyone listening or watching us later, see how much work has gone into everything before you even start with designing the website. So how long would you say that this process takes? Assuming the client is very cooperative and quick and responding and all that. And I know from running a website company, that's not always the case. How typically is the process? How long is it before you even come to the website? Well, it's funny that you say that not every client's the same. We've learned to educate our clients before we even start the process or to mm. ask them, are you okay with two-day feedback turnaround time? And these mm. are the days we'll be sending you things. Can you yeah. book a slot of time on those days? Perfect. And That's so, good. Yeah. And oh, it, was, it made a huge difference to our business. It was incredible because now we can plan ahead of time and we can deliver things on time and it's just been really important so that's a good tip for anyone listening who's running agency model or service business 
educate your clients on what needs to happen to hand yeah. things in on time. Yeah. And I know that myself, like I've had people work for me, photographers, videographers, and I need to book in time to give them feedback. And sometimes it's tricky because they have not, like you, asked me upfront to reserve a slot in my schedule. Very smart. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Took me three years to figure this out, this one out. <laughs> um, yeah, so it takes four weeks altogether. Four weeks before you start on the website. And how long is the website process then after that? It can depend on the pages, but for an average six-page website, and it can also depend on the client. If the client is in a rush, we can be flexible. But normally it's four weeks for design, three weeks for development, one week for testing. Mm. So the whole process is a three-month process if we want to do it right. And if we want this to be the website that stays with you for the next five years, the brand that stays with you for the next five years, of course, you can change the content around, but the main structure and design is the same. Mm. I think that's really good to become aware that a good website that's been thought through takes three months. I agree. You know, I used to run a website company, so <laughs> I know that this is not something to rush. I have had the same website now for two and a half years. I'm not in a rush to change it, but once I change it, I will take my time and not rush through it because it's such an important process. Do you ever send clients back when they are not clear on their vision? Yes. So they have to go back and do their homework and come back to you when they know what the, really their vision is? Yeah, yeah. And I know if they don't have copy, I only accept the branding part. Ah. And they have those four weeks to get copy ready. I'll keep asking, how's the copy coming along? If I see they're not going to meet the deadline, I will give that slot to another client. That's also very smart. <laughs> it's hard. A lot of people come to us in a rush and then they realize how much work does go into it. Mm. And they start getting scared. I remember at the beginning when we weren't so strict on this, websites could take a year because clients would disappear they wouldn't know where to start with their copy, so they were. it was never ready, it was never perfect. And I understand that. Mm. We're like the cobbler with no shoes, where it took us, I think, two years to have our website up. Yeah. At first, I just had my own name.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's often when you run a business, your website comes the last, or whatever you're doing in your business, you are the last one you want to serve. But... Yeah, I think it's really good how clear, and this is also a lesson for coaches, consultants, trainers, anyone listening, watching, on your boundaries. You know, I would say it's been a process for you to figure out that you are actually in charge when people hire you. It's not the other way around. Even if they are, in brackets, famous people, uh, that you are the coach, you are the facilitator, you are the one that gives them guidelines, because if not, they will just walk over you in, <laughs> in time and money. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a big mindset shift. I still have troubles with it sometimes, but then I think I do this in order to better serve my clients and better serve my team. Yeah. I think it's fantastic what you have shared with us today, your framework on how to create a standout brand. So can you share with us a few websites that you've done lately so we can put the links in the show notes? Or do we just go to your website and there's links from there? Well, my website, like the 
story is two years old right now. You can look at nicholaskuzmich.com for his website. And if you want Facebook ads, he's a great person. andrewhubbard.co. I can share with that link with you. I'm trying not to think of a female one. michellemcglade.com. Okay, great. We will link those in the show notes for you to take a look at and see the fantastic work Joanna has been doing with her team. And I want to say thank you for being on the show, Joanna. It's been a pleasure. It was so great to see you in London recently at the Upreneur Summit. And I've been kind of uh, inviting a lot of people on the show that I met there that I was either connecting with them for the first time or reconnecting. And it's so great to kind of, uh, especially in Europe, where we just don't have so... You know, it's not as visible how many online entrepreneurs are here. And that's why I want to especially bring them here on the show and showcase them. So thank you for being here, Joanna, and best of luck uh, continuing building your business. Thank you so much. Ready to turn your passion into profits? Get free access to the seven stages of a profitable online business by going to signal.com forward slash 135. There you'll also find links to Joanna and the show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share, subscribe and give the show a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode.